Hi there, and welcome to Putting the Squid to Bed, a podcast about creative people and their craft. My name is Tim Lenko. I'm a writer and performer, and on this podcast, I interview creative people about why they create things and how they go about it. The show is named after an image that I have found so helpful. If you're anything like me, you know those moments when you've nearly finished a project, but then you find another touch you could add, another loose end to tie off, or another rough patch that needs ironing out. It's like trying to tuck a squid into bed. Just when you get two or three arms under the covers, another four or five have popped back out. Projects are rarely finished so much as they are surrendered. And that journey of discovery, creation, and surrender is what I ask my guests about. Hello and welcome to episode six of Putting the Squid to Bed. In case we haven't met, hi, my name is Tim. Today, I get to talk to someone I have really enjoyed creating art with. We met on a film project last year and have plans to work on more together, which I feel so excited about. She is a director, an actor, and writer known for her innovative devised play, Lift Break, which is currently streaming on Broadway On Demand. And she's everywhere in the Saskatchewan film scene. Uh, She's been working on indie and network projects for CBC and grassroots grassroots creatives both in Canada and across the pond in the UK. Please welcome into your ears, Jessica Garris. Hello. Jessica, I'm so, I'm so happy to have you here today. Yeah, so happy to be here. Where in the world are you calling in from today? From Regina, Saskatchewan. Excellent. And um, so I'm interested, what kind of creative season are you currently in right now? Are you writing? Are you resting? Are you marketing stuff? Are you, what What are you doing right now as a creator? Yeah, I'm in that really fun, scary downtime for the most part, um, which, yeah, scares me because I normally like to be super busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having like one or two projects on the go feels really like I'm not doing enough. But that's just how things have worked out right now. So I'm trying to embrace that and like take the rest and use that time to write um, and think of other projects and whatever it may be. So yeah, I'm working on a couple of uh, friends projects right now, which is really great. But yeah, I'm trying to see this as a period for like setting up creativity for when the grant opportunities come, whatever, I'm ready to go. So yeah, yeah. it's a it's a bit of a it sounds a bit like a, a composting time where you're able to throw a bunch of stuff onto the pile so, and then give it time to breathe and to develop. Mm. Yeah. And it's good. It's like growing. It's the letting go of the, yeah, needing to have all the noise and being okay with like sitting with the stillness and the yeah. like trusting that inevitably like projects will come and opportunities will come up. So yeah. I'm trying to, yeah, embrace that learning. No kidding. Does it feel like at the moment that came at a, like a time that was needed, were you uh, at all burnt out or fried or does it feel like, no, I'd, I'd probably rather it not come right now, but I'm going to learn in spite of it. Um, how, how was that feeling for you? Yeah, I would rather it not right now. Um, just because I'm back from just over a month in the UK where I shot a short film. Yeah. Um, with some friends and lovely artists there um, that was really great and experimental and I felt really like you know fed artistically from it but that gave me like energy to want to keep going keep creating so I got back to Canada and I'm like okay I'm ready to go and for a number of reasons because it's summer and people are places and with like the strikes happening in the states which are definitely like necessary to happen but the trickle-down effect of that is that it's kind of like a slow period Um, which yeah, you never can control when they do come. So yeah, that's where I'm at is trying to like embrace it when it comes because something like it's for some sort of reason I have something to learn in it, but yeah. Yeah. So how do you, uh, like right now, presently in this season, that's just a little quieter than you'd want, but you're coming into with that energy where your soul was fed overseas. How are you encouraging that drive and actually directing that drive? Well, at the moment, I'm first ADing a short film project for Versa Films, um, and I'm giving it all, like, giving it all to that 
project and what I can do. Yeah, like it doesn't need to be, it could be like focused energy. So I'm trying to like make that the best it can be for everyone else, make everybody else feel like they're supported. Um, Yeah, and then just trying to like schedule in like writing sessions and stuff because I find what happens like now that the energy is stopped really fast, like Mm. I totally like, it's like an object in motion is kind of how my like energy works. Like the second it stops, I kind of sink into this. Like, I don't know if it's like a minor like depression sort of like sleepy, like hibernation um, that I kind of want to try fighting against. Like sometimes there's a like, it feels right to lean into it, but right now it feels, it doesn't feel that way. Right now it feels like that's something I should like confront, maybe not push against, but like, yeah. And try and, and stay motivated. Totally. And keep some movement. It's so mm-hmm. funny. Cause like the inertia of stillness and not moving is just so sticky. It's hard to get unstuck yeah. from it. Completely. Yeah. yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, <figuring laughs> makes that sense. Yeah. Relatable. That is actually a theme of, of my life right now at the moment too, where it's, it's hard to get Same. unstuck from, um, sitting still. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in what got you on this journey in the first place, going back early, early into young Jessica's history and life. What was the first, the first maybe films, maybe plays, first experiences that you were involved that gave you a hint or maybe just flat out inspired you that this kind of storytelling is for me yeah I don't like I always like I think about that a lot and how that started um because people in my family are like kind of like creative a bit on the side but like it's not like a big theme in my family but I started out as a dancer competitive dancer Mm -hmm. and yeah my mom had me in dance from the time I was four Mm -hmm. and I just I remember love being on stage like loving that but like with four-year-olds and you'll see it if you watch a four-year-old's dance there's always like the ones who are like the leaders and like bossing the other girls around they're like no these are the steps and then there's the ones who are like oh this is pretty lights um and I was always one of the ones who's like guys, we've been practicing this for weeks now. Like, what are you doing? You knew that there was going to be lights here. Like, you're not in your positions. <laughs> I just remember being so upset. And, like, remember hearing, like, the people laugh and being embarrassed. And I'm like, mm. guys, you're making... Like, so I just... I remember taking it seriously mm-hmm. from, like, very young age. And, like, seeing it as, like, a ser- so, like a serious thing. Like, yeah. this, like, art and to perform. Um, yeah, and then I just really loved movies so I've never had like it's been a theme from the beginning like I've never really had like one place to live Mm -hmm. artistically like it's Mm -hmm. always kind of been like dance film I did plays like that sort of thing um yeah but I remember watching movies and being like how does that happen like how do you like watching Forrest Gump was my favorite film as a child which was really random but yeah how do you make that so and so you wanted to be able to dig into how the sausage, sausage is made, how this all comes mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And you're directing, um, like, you get into so many different leadership positions um, with the different projects that you're on. It, it, the, the hints at it uh, in young Jessica, who is seeing the big picture and wanting to see the, all the people fit into the big picture to contribute to the whole thing um, makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, now at this point, with your life being so um, different, having such different seasons, and not necessarily having uh, a lot of routine in it, I'm interested in how you create space to keep creative rhythms alive, to keep your, um, your dreaming, your planning your um, preparation for projects that you do want to create and lead. Um, How do you, what are the things that you've discovered for yourself actually work to, to keep it? Cause like some people do morning pages. Some people um, uh, do retreats away to, to jumpstart and spark plug their things. What have you found 
resonates for you. Yeah, I like, I normally, I've been bad for morning pages over the last like two months, but normally I'll do like morning pages every day. Oh, like yeah. I do have my own routines within mm. this like life that isn't routine. Yeah. Okay. So um, what do those look like? Yeah. So like definitely like morning pages, um, working out or going to dance classes. So yeah. I mean like something scheduled, like I won't just go to the gym it like just on my own accord like scheduled classes or like scheduled dance classes something that'll like get me in my body yeah and out of my head and like force me out of the house um and that has a scheduled time that I like have to be there at and I'm being held accountable for um yeah that along with morning pages and then just trying to like connect with other artists like yeah. at least once a week connecting with somebody or like going to local like music shows whenever I can or like art exhibits like seeing other people creating art and like being around other artists I just find very like fulfilling and motivating and um yeah something that that keeps me going but yeah when but that those aren't always the things that you can control so the, definitely the things that I can control mm -hmm. um are like our morning pages and then sometimes like Duolingo just like learning another language yeah what I go through kind of cycles of that, but that's cool. What languages are you learning? Um, so Dutch I did for a really long time because I lived in the Netherlands for a year. Um, but right now I'm doing Japanese and Korean. Cool. I'm going to Japan, but yeah, Korean's like it, like I can't wrap my brain around it right now. But Japanese is going all right, like I think. So. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, uh, just using a different part of your brain, sort of thing. But. No kidding. Which then sparks. Mm. Um, activity in the whole brain. Yeah, I yeah. think so. So as you go in and out of the different seasons that are sometimes focused on other people's projects, sometimes focused on yours, how do you keep track of all the different ideas that are alive? Like, do you have a, um, a journal or a, a, a note that, um, keeps your projects, um, marked down that you're like, I'm going to return to these. Or do you just let everything just sit there in your mind and let the inspiration just um, compost? And then how do you decide what you're coming back to when you have space? Yeah, that's a really interesting one that I've kind of like developed and kind of been playing with for the last couple of years since I've mm -hmm. moved back. But um, I do in my like day planner, I have a passion planner that I like use religiously. I do have a space in the back for like, project ideas just to like have them there because yeah. I had a period that like I'd have an idea that I thought was really good and I'd almost like panic I'm like I need to write this down somewhere or else it's going to be gone forever and it needs to live somewhere that's not I don't want to have to hold on to it like yeah so yeah I'd write them down and I have a whiteboard that I use as well for more active projects that are actually yeah not just once they move beyond idea and kind of its first steps they move yes. on to the whiteboard but now I'm kind of less precious about like writing them down mm -hmm. and kind of trusting that like the idea will stay in me and if it's worth doing and pursuing, it'll come back and it'll yeah. stay there or it'll grow. Um, Cause if I do have to like sit there and like hold on to it, maybe like there's been so many times like ideas that I'll go back and look at it and I'm just not at that place anymore. It's not something that inspires me anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm trying Absolutely. to generally my like creative where I need to orient myself is the letting go of control aspect. Yeah. But but there but there is a page with <laughs> with different ideas on them for sure. Totally. I always find that such an interesting dynamic for creators because uh, I've heard multiple people say that like I, I'm just going to keep these I'm not going to write down these ideas because if it's worth it, it'll stick around. Um and I've found that for me letting go, like you said, not, not grasping them, uh, usually involves writing it down so that I don't mm -hmm. feel like I have to hang on to it. Writing it down yeah. gives me a chance to let go. Cause I know, all right, I won't forget this. I'll come back to it. And then it's always so different. Sometimes I come back to my written list and I no longer resonate with an idea and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna release it. Um, but mm -hmm. I come back to it sometimes and say, this resonates in a whole new way. I'm so glad that I didn't forget this because I just don't trust my mind to keep yeah. everything. <laughs> um, 
I get that with the once it's written down, then you don't have to like it kind of that lets it go a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then it's also interesting, like the dance between like what you end up pursuing or giving your time to or not. Yeah. Because um, there's some projects like when things started really kind of like moving and I moved into kind of like full-time creating yeah. that I was like, okay, there's this idea and it's good. So I have to like start it now and I have to get the right. ball rolling. So I'd like like documentary ideas and I'd contact subjects and whatever. And then like, yeah, a month or two would pass. I'm like, ah, I'm just not feeling this anymore. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I should like sit with an idea a bit longer, even if I'm really excited about it. But like write about it in my morning pages or whatever for at least like a couple weeks, a month maybe. Yeah. And then see if it's actually something that is worth because we only have like limited amount of time that we can give, especially to like our own creative stuff. Like I like and I love helping out other friends projects and it's part of the game. Like we all have to help each other out. But when it comes to the limited amount of time to do something that is my idea that, you know, I want to pursue yeah, not every idea I have is going to be worth that amount of time and effort. Yeah. And so trying to find the projects that are worth that. And yeah. then also like making like, I'm like really committed to following projects through Yeah. What is once they're started and once other people are involved. But. Yeah. So I'm interested as you weigh an option, weigh a project to decide, is this worth devoting time to right now? What are the things you look for? Is it, bottom line, a gut feeling? Or are there characteristics that you're looking for? Yeah, I think number one, it's a gut feeling. Just like if I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, who else can I get involved on this? Am I excited about working with them? Um, does this actually, and this one's hard, sometimes like, will this actually benefit my career? Because even, like, short films, like, yes, they're good to do and you have to have some. But, yeah. like, the financial toll that they take, like, it is a bit of a, a balance. Like, I have another short film that I really want to do. But I'm like, I just can't mm-hmm. like, financially do it right now. Like, that would not help. Yeah. Going into debt would not actually help my career at the moment. Yeah. Maybe it's something that, like, later. Or if there's grant opportunities, will make that more possible. But. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a gut feeling. And then also like now newly, like, is this saying something that I want to say about the world? Mm. Cause there are just fun projects and those are good to do, but especially if it's going to be something that's going to cost me financially, yeah. it's like, is this, yeah, portraying a message or like saying what I want to say to the world or yeah. like making the world a, a better place in any way? Yeah. Um, no kidding. That's part of it too. What are some of the themes some of the perspectives on the world that inspire you the most? What are some of the things that you have seen yourself really wanting to say, the conversations artistically that you want to participate in? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that I'm like, will watch the work. Well, anytime anybody like says something or has a point of view and is kind of like standing in their truth, even though it might be like, a scary place to do it or to say it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can just tell like they're speaking from their soul. Like that's always really inspiring no matter what somebody's saying. Yeah. Um, but there's like being in England and in London, there's a lot of artists there that are really like completely outspoken about how they feel about the world, like kind of anti-capitalist, yeah. um, like anti-racist, you know, yeah. art. Like here I find whenever I come back, like, people and artists will have a point of view and sometimes like like sprinkle it into what they're making yeah but I'm always like in awe and I don't know if I'm in a place that I'm like like in myself that I feel comfortable enough like standing up and I really want to get there but I see artists like spoken word artists like Kay Tempest in in England who they like get up there and they like say fuck the system in as loudly as they can with beautiful art and I'm like oh like that's yeah, like, the, and then it does change things. And then people think, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I do have power. And it kind of unites people. Yeah. So, yeah, between that and, like, female-created art or just, like, art, like, from any community that's been underserved, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we should see more of those stories. But something as simple as, like, 
the Barbie movie for me. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't realize how, like, few female-led stories there are until you see a movie like that. That It's it's so such basic feminism, and that's a big criticism of it. But, mm. like, I haven't seen that. That's not in the mainstream. Like, mm. just the women's experience just hasn't been there. So I think it's just leaning into that and, like, the truth of what my experience of life is and not trying to, like, paint it or, like, make it acceptable for anybody else. Mm. Um and trusting that. Yeah. That's the goal. That's I don't know the goal. Yeah. But that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And every journey of, um, every journey of courage and figuring out, okay, how brave can I be? And then picking the battles of what do I want to be brave about? Like mm-hmm. such a lifelong journey. So it's, it's great to be on it. I'm on it with you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So your, um, your play, uh, lift break was, I think a good example of, of you taking steps in, in finding a message you care about, finding a collaborator that, um, that you can dialogue with and create with, um, uh, you, you worked with, uh, a creator named Ty Rain, um, and your play was investigating indigenous and settler youth relations and, um, and, mm-hmm some of the things that intentionally and unintentionally go into those relationships. And so what was that experience like in the context of this journey and in the context of just creating and collaborating? Yeah, that project was awesome and like still sticks with me and I feel like still has like another life. Yeah. Um, we are just trying to figure out what that is, but yeah, it was moving back home. That's the thing is like when I was living in London and yeah. in Europe, like I was surrounded by a lot of people who thought the same way as me. And like, we agreed and we're like, yes, right. Like these are the problems with the world that we need to solve. And if it feels really good to be in a space like that, and you could just like kind of really articulately, like without yeah. kind of the fear of what the repercussions of what you say are. Mm. Um, but moving back to Saskatchewan was interesting yeah. for me and tough. Cause I was in this spot, like, with like a lot of like family who are really like lovely open-hearted people but like don't want to rock the boat yeah in the society here there's a lot of people here that just don't that might think that things should be more equal and like indigenous rights are important but also just don't want to be the person to say it and don't want to rock the boat so yeah I was kind of frustrated Mm -hmm. because I'm like these are things that I want to say but I was kind of getting backlash or pushback Mm -hmm. whenever I would I mean, state facts about the treaties and what's not being honored. And people just kind of didn't really want to hear it. Um, And yeah, I found that really like hurtful and frustrating and I needed a place to put that energy. Um, So yeah, I had this idea for kind of exposing um, what the like current white settler relationship with Indigenous youth is for people who consider themselves like kind of liberal, open-minded people that we we still fuck up, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. still mistakes that are made just because you might have this, a more, yeah, open-minded view. So the idea of the elevator came about. So it takes place, like it was site specific in an elevator because it's a place where you can't escape and you're, and that was the whole thing is like a lot of people like run away and I don't want to call people out in my life, but but like run, run away from the conversation or change the subject. And this was a place where like these two people had to face the experience and particularly like my character, which is a person like close to myself, like a woman in her thirties who like wants to do the right thing and wants to find reconciliation, but isn't really willing to like challenge herself or go outside that bubble to see things from the other perspective. Um, so Ty Rain is an incredible two-spirit spoken word poet that I was connected to through Skylar Anderson, who was connected with the project. Um, yeah, so things kind of kept falling into place. On Q Performance Hub just started in Regina, which is a great organization for kind of trying to connect independent artists and get them resources. So yeah, through that, we got to tell the story and it was really important for like Ty to be involved in the devising process. Mm -hmm. Um, so that it was both of us creating it together from our own experiences, from our own lives. Um, and like taking Ty's experience at face value because they had 
had these experiences and these conversations before where they were confronted by like really microaggressions is what what it was and then it culminates like in this in this really tense moment initially like full disclosure when I had this idea for it it was kind of like gonna be one of those like slow descent into madness kind of genre things yes where one of the characters actually like kills the other character and oh, I don't boy. know which but it was yeah. the conversation about like what message does that, that send depending on which person ends up being the last one standing yeah um and that just didn't naturally come out of it so we ended up in a place where Ty's character does give in to like the white settler character and her pressures because they just can't take it anymore and they're just one person trying to fight for themselves and they yeah so it's like this breaking kind of moment at the end that does break your heart and so many people who saw it like which was the best you know prize that we could get we were like oh I've totally had that experience um which is like heartbreaking but like I'm glad that we showed something that was maybe um close to close to real life yeah um yeah so it is available on Broadway on demand and through that we actually got a woman contacted me on Facebook saying she's based in Homer, Alaska, mm-hmm. um, saying that she wanted to do it as a play reading because cool. she felt like the themes were very similar to what she, like she experiences and people in her community experience. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we still need to like get it typed up, get it published, yeah. but yeah, hopefully get to share it with other communities even though the story was so specific, like it yeah. takes place in Regina, Saskatchewan, like there are very specific, like Rough Rider references and stuff. Yeah. She still like managed to watch it and find like the core of like, oh no, I can relate to this. So Absolutely. yeah, I thought that was really, yeah, fascinating. Well, that's what some people have said. Um, I can't remember the songwriter that I heard comment about it, but they were saying that in specificity, there's universality. Um, like they were talking about how certain approaches to pop music or different types of music. Like if they go so universal uh, with the intent of letting people map their own life onto it, um, it can produce that, but songs um, and you know, in your case, a play with a lot of specificity doesn't automatically exclude people seeing themselves in it and mapping their story onto it. In, in, In some ways, the specificity of, a particular character's or an artist's experience with something really even just invite someone to dig into the specificity of their experience or their loved one's experiences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that kind of uh, level of detail does not have to be alienating to a universal empathy at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always heard that, but I never really trusted it, huh. you know? Yeah. So it was like, even after we did, like, we want to tour it. Like, I feel like other people need to see this show, mm-hmm. but I still did have a voice in the back of my mind that was like, are they going to get it though? Do we need to change anything right. to make it more universal? Which that's still like conversations that need to be had. Yeah. But like after this woman contacted us, I was like, oh, she doesn't even live in the same country technically but yeah um yeah but had could relate to it so well i'm excited to see what um future and continued life lift break has that'll be cool Mm -hmm. i wanted to pick up on um the theme that you talked about like um you had one intention for the culmination of the the play you you talked about this descent into madness um the death of one character at the hand of the other but then when Truthfully telling the story, uh, as you went through it, you, you discovered something else was what was natural. Talk to me about that, that experience of being surprised by a project and responding and changing your plans. What's been your experience, maybe with this project, maybe with others, being in a project and then having your plans changed as uh, creative integrity seems to push you in a different direction than you intended? Yeah, I think it's necessary, especially when you're collaborating with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was somebody else's story because, like, I I couldn't, I don't understand the Indigenous perspective of, the, of that story. Like, right. I have ideas and I try and think open-minded, in an open-minded way about that and put myself in those shoes. But I never really can, right? Because mm-hmm. I have, like, this privileged lens. So it's getting a collaborator that, like, we trust each other, like Ty, and then completely trusting their point of view and not trying to push my point of view onto Mm -hmm. them 
um, for that project in particular. And at the end, it just came down to like, there's honestly too much violence right now uh, in yeah. like in that situation. Like that, I like that genre. I like to like take something really normal and pedestrian and then like flip it on its head and make it kind of like whether it's horror or violent to like to like shock people into thinking like I I personally as an artist like like that dynamic but this project wasn't the right thing for that because Ty between us it just it didn't happen naturally and there there is too much violence against indigenous people right now anyway whichever way that that scene would have gone down like it was just that wasn't necessary to tell the story yeah um yeah, and it was an idea I had at first, and like it's so it's one hundred percent about letting them go, trusting your collaborators, because um, I've only found newer, amazing things that I never would have thought of before. Yeah. Um, and then if it is like some a project that is like mine, and there's really something I want to say a- about that thing, it's like having your things that you are willing to fight for. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to to disagree and like be like no this is the hill I'm gonna die on like the, this has to happen this way yeah um but you can't be precious about everything you need to pick those mm-hmm. battles yeah um and yeah sometimes kill your darlings as they say yeah later, so totally because you know what it's yeah. possible that the darlings will have a better life in some other setting Exactly. Like that idea and that concept that I had for like the slow descent to madness, like that can still live in another project. Mm-hmm. Like that's that whole idea isn't gone forever. I just need to find so. the right place and the right story to to yeah. weave that into. But. Totally. I appreciate what you're saying about like sensitivity to the, the setting and like what's happening around you in the world and like who's going to be the audience that's going to hear and see something and what's going to actually serve them uh, rather than um, um, sticking with an original plan that was like, well, this is what I've imagined and I love the shape of this. Um, it makes me think like it's, it's a, it's a little bit more of a trivial thing. It was more of an economic thing, uh, economic choice, but it makes me think of Shonda Rhimes talking about the creation of Grey's Anatomy where the original version of it was, it was war correspondence. So it was all these powerful women who were journalists um, overseas and they would work hard and drink hard and um, they were intense and they were all about their, their work. Um, And she pitched that and the studio was like, there's too much like Iraq, Afghanistan, like all of it was happening. And they were like, you know what? Mm -hmm. People are fatigued. Nobody wants this. Um, and so she flipped it and she was like, well, let's make it a medical drama then. And, and so she just like took the heart that the the women that she wanted to tell the story about and said, well, what's a different setting that will actually not uh, fatigue or go against the grain of, of where people are at? What's, what's something that won't trigger the, (laughs) For me, watching a uh, a COVID-based uh, drama TV show right now, I don't want to see that. Um, I want to see something entirely different. And um, yeah. so the sensitivity of, of your audience and being able to say something about your world in a way that will probably meet the crowd in a way that will serve them better, um, I appreciate so much. Because it's facing it's facing this communal aspect of like what, what, what art is good for, what it's here for, what the gift that it's meant to be to someone. Yeah, completely. Like that's, so it's hard because there are some projects that if it was like, if it's so personal to somebody and like, they really just need to tell like this story, like in such a way, like I get it. And there is a place for that. Like it might not be as universal, but there is like a place for like really, personal specific course yeah yeah yeah. art there that you like fight for it to be exactly how it was in life but yeah yeah but it's kind of that's the whole fun of it is like letting it go and letting it take on a yeah a new life like it's not yours anymore once it's outside of you it's like it belongs to collaborators and audiences and totally yeah you can't control how they see it you can just do your best to try and predict that or actually like just listen to what people tell you. But yeah. Yeah. So when you get to that point of, um, uh, releasing a project from your hands, sharing it and, and, and allowing it to become no longer just yours and your collaborators, but 
other people's. Um, that experience of finishing and surrendering something is so different for everyone. How do you feel about finishing projects? Because like a, a play's got to be performed. A film has to be like, you know, once a cut is approved, it's got to be rendered and then screened and, and released. How do you feel about finishing things? Does anything ever feel finished? I'm going to say no. Nothing ever feels finished. But yeah, there is this certain letting go that has that has to happen. And usually then I need to focus on another project so just so that I don't uh, think about it. Yeah. So even this project that I shot in London, um, it's all in the can. Yeah. But we need to do post-production on it. Yeah. Um, which I, I honestly haven't watched any of the footage yet mm. because I don't want to, I want to be in a place where I see the finish line and like I have an editor and I have money all lined up and then I'll watch it and then I'll get excited about it. But like if I watch it right now and then actually can't physically like do anything about it or finish yeah. it, I think it might. Yeah give me anxiety like sitting right. with it because you've got nowhere to put that energy yeah so I, I do think that getting something <sighs> yeah I don't think it's ever finished because even mm. with lift break I talked to so many independent theater artists about like my anxiety of kind of wanting it to be like perfect is the wrong word but yeah. wanting it to feel complete by the time we yeah. got it up and uh, devising is a very interesting process where like you're creating as you go and sometimes you have so many ideas there's so many ideas yeah and you just have to choose what makes it in yeah um and that show had a lot of setbacks okay so, so before talking about the setbacks um for someone who doesn't know what a devised play is what's your what's your two sentence description it's creating a play as you go. So you don't have a script, but you have, and it, this can vary from project to project, but this project had a story, mm -hmm. kind of a beginning, middle, and like a, we didn't really know what the, an idea for the end. Mm -hmm. um, so then it's just how do we get from A to B to C um, with without having a script, kind of. So yeah. the process was uh, improvising a lot. Yeah. Um, we did like long, like hour long improvisations yeah. and then made notes from what worked from there yeah and that was improvising in a workshop setting versus like or were you improvising in performances in front of audiences no we are improvising in a workshop setting which I think it would be interesting it would be an interesting task to do it in front of audiences yeah um but we did yeah we did have um uh our stage manager there to just like hold space and write notes and whatever it may be. And then, yeah, and then we kind of figured out what the show wanted to be. We figured out the places that we kept going and it was interesting to see what kind of tangents. And sometimes you have to like live out the tangent that you will never actually use, but yeah, just see what that is. Um, but yes, and there's a lot of setbacks. Like um, our director was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. So he had to drop out of the project. Um, so then we decided to continue on like without having a, a director, but it's mm. still kind of in the same sort of process. And then finding, cause it was site specific, somebody mm -hmm. to let us use an elevator. I think we found a, a spot two weeks before we opened, oh, Wow. which yeah. And we didn't perform in, in it until opening night. Mm -hmm. um, so like those were, that was hard. And then, and me wanting to put my best foot forward and yeah. just having moved back and a lot of the people in the community here, not knowing me at the time, yeah. feeling like I had something to prove. Yeah. Yeah, I was, just, I was just wanting it to resonate with people. And yeah, a lot of theater artists were like, oh, Jessica, like, you don't just do a show and then that's it and it's done. They're like, these take on other lives. They're like, shows come back years later or you tour them or yeah. like, they're like, this always, that always happens. Like, that's always allowed. They're like, this is just a first performance. Yeah. I was like, oh. So it had a, like, they helped completely change my mindset about whether something's finished. That's great. Film is hard though, because that is one that, yeah. but you never know. Like maybe once it's completed, it finds another life. Like it resonates with people like years down the line, or there's an exhibit that it really falls in line with. So even though that project might be finished, it's life isn't always. 
totally. And if you keep all the stuff, maybe you release uh, a different cut of it. It's, um, yeah. it doesn't usually happen that way, but, but you're so right. I love mm-hmm. what you're saying about like all of the connected bits and pieces, like the conversation around it, the exhibits that it might be paired with the, the different communities that might, um, engage with it. Um, you're right. That's a whole nother aspect of it, it living another life and being recontextualized and redigested. Yeah, it happens. Like with films, like there are ones that come back into like, you know, the like common psyche. Like yeah. after years for, yeah, you, you can't really put your finger on why. But yeah. So for you, um, prior to that ever happening, prior to opening night happening or a final cut being rendered, what do you find difficult about pulling the trigger and saying, okay, for now, this is done. For now, this is complete. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's easier to do with a collaborator because then it's Mm. just me making it about them and not about me Mm. Um, and making sure they feel okay and supported with it. And if they do, I'm like, great. Um, And then we can just... And then it's just living in it as you perform it. But yeah, I mean, it's the wanting it to be whatever perfect is. And like logically, I know that that's not possible and that that doesn't exist. But then also there's the side that it, it, and it's the scarcity mentality that I'm really uh, trying to get out of, yeah. of like, Oh, like the stakes of this is like, this has to do well for me to be respected as an artist yeah. or else like if people or don't else. resonate with this, maybe I'm not meant to be an artist. Maybe yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Like who am I kidding? Maybe they'll see right through me. Like, yeah, those are the thoughts. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Is it more often, uh, a question of your actual suitedness and talent as a creator or is it the how people will see you and then what opportunities they'll support and give you which one is it is it the actual being or the how people will perceive and then treat you i think it's how people well it's just it goes back and forth (laughs) i mean mostly it's how people will perceive me and what opportunities yeah come about because you don't make a lot of money as an artist. And at the moment, like it's hard because you can't really take on other like proper nine to five jobs because then when opportunities come up, like you kind of have to be available to take them. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the big picture, like kind of doom. Like if they don't see me as like a, like real artist that has real skill, then I'll never get an opportunity again. And then I'll never get paid again. And then I won't eat. And (laughs) like, it's the doom and gloom. Um, but then sometimes it's, it's the question of like, am like, I have no choice, but to be creative. That's kind of how this happens. But then it's the conversation that it's like, am I just lying to myself? Like, there's a lot of talented people out there. Like, who do I think I am? Yeah. Um, also. Yeah. Have Have you had experiences where you've been engaged in creating something in a way that those fears have vanished for a while and you're able to just play and engage and build what have those been like yeah completely well just on this last production in London like which I I wrote like I'm not yeah I'm like trying to be a better writer but I write out of like necessity because I have a story in my head but like I don't have like beautiful words or whatever so um this one I wrote the story but had actors largely like improv on the story which yeah so it was a really fun kind of experimental way of doing it but I was connecting with artists that I hadn't met before um like DP and people there and it was amazing to see people like buy into my idea and my project even though they don't know me and it's my idea and I was like oh like you care about this like you're making storyboards you're going above and beyond oh thank you um and then also with friends there that like really talented comedians and actors. Um, yeah. So it's seeing all those people buy in and then feeling that responsibility, like, okay, they've bought in now. Mm -hmm. Like I better step up and believe in myself because all these people here behind me trying to support me. Um, and then, so in the process of directing that it's, it was like, seriously, all doubts fall away. 
like leading up to it, it was all the like, uh, feeling really insecure. So I was afraid that I'd feel insecure on the day, but it, I didn't, I totally knew what I wanted. It was totally freeing. It was totally collaborative. Um, we had really fun time. We shot eight hour days cause sometimes you don't have to have really long, like it's, it's a give and take. So yeah. I, I found it a really great, like, and at the end of the day, like that's where I felt like really like fire in my belly to keep going because yeah, directing is the space where, yeah, all doubts fall away um, and my instincts kind of kick in. And I trust that in that setting for some reason. That's cool. So it was a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. What a, what an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited. Yeah. So then it's just like an addiction. And it's like, I want that again. But unfortunately, the like the way of the game is, yeah. that's it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> totally. It's, it, it can be so tough to actually get the resources to do it. It's tough what film and, and theater are, are not the same as drawing or writing where nothing's in the way. Uh, there, there's actually a lot of resources required to, to get something made. Yeah, that's, what's hard. And I mean, they're like with drawing or writing, it's like yourself can be the thing yeah. in the way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but with, like, physical resources, like, yeah, just going out and directing. And I guess, like, you can, like, I guess my answer to that is doing a play. Like, plays just seem to be a bit easier of a way, for some reason, to just get people together and, like, workshop something. Yeah. So maybe that's what I need to do next. Cool. That makes sense. we'll see. Oh, I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm interested in... Throughout this whole creative journey of yours, are there skills that you didn't expect to develop or need that you have acquired and are growing in? Skills that surprised you? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of like traits that surprised me. Yeah. I don't know, like, because skills, like when it comes to you kind of, you have to be, you have to fight for yourself. You have to be Mm self-motivated, all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. I've always kind of had those, those traits kind of come naturally to me, but then having an artistic brain, you kind of need to let go of that. Like Mm -hmm. it's such a weird balance to have to be like kind of your own business owner and an artistic at the same time. Yeah. Um, so for me, like my parents are both bankers. So I was raised to be like, really good with money, like really kind of like conservative with money and like, yeah. And with everything, like, but I found what surprises me is how much I'm actually able to like, let that go and maybe like take a financial risk. That's not like big or irresponsible, but take one that like probably the average person would take. Um, but I just wouldn't given my like upbringing and background. So yeah, it's retraining my brain for the things that I was taught in the school system. And with my parents, like this is bad and wrong Mm. to be irresponsible with money this way. Yeah. When actually in an artistic setting, like it's necessary and it will, and I do trust that it will like pay off in the end. Yeah. Um, but it surprised. Yeah. That just surprised me is that like my brain has just been taught that this is the way that you are successful. Yeah. And create being successful creatively actually has nothing to do Looks with differently. that. Looks completely yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. So less a skill and more of a framework, more of a, a, a perspective on fiscal, uh, the, the way you fiscally handle your life and career. Yeah. yeah. And what being a grown up and being responsible is, yeah. is like, yeah, like I don't have a car. I don't have stable housing. I do move a lot. Like, these are all things that I am totally cool with. I totally love, but I like would judge for myself. I'm like, this makes it seem like, and it's also like letting go of what other people think, but it's like, this makes me seem like I'm not successful or I don't have my shit together. But actually like I do and trusting that I do. And these are things that are necessary for this to live this life and to be successful in this life Um, is to be like malleable and yeah. Yeah open to change and stuff. So totally. And if that gets mm-hmm. you to a spot where, uh, you're making enough money to have stable housing and a car, etc., all those traditional ear markers, like bring it on. Great. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one day. One <laughs> that day. makes sense. Oh. oh, that makes sense. Okay, cool. I have to say, I'm super excited to see the rest of the things that you make. I can't wait to see your short film from the UK finished. Um, I can't wait to see you on set next week for that other project that you're helping to um, AD. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. Thanks for making time to speak with me today. This has been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, it's been so lovely. Thanks for asking me to do it. And I can't wait to work on your future projects too. I know. We're going to have such a good time. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, before I let you go, I have one last question. What is mm -hmm. something that's giving you life these days? What's it like a practice, a routine, or, or content that you're digesting that is feeding your artistic soul? Right now it's dance. Like I'm going uh, back to my roots. So yeah, I've been going back to the dance studio a lot and it's just, there's nothing like it. Just yeah. going to the studio, doing a little workout, being super free yeah. and yeah. And it's where I started out. So oh, that's awesome. back to the beginning. Yeah. Good for you. That That's excellent. I never took dance, but I've always enjoyed it just as a, as an amateur participant. So you've inspired me. I'm going to have to put some music on after this and go for a little dance in my living room. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's all you need. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. If you liked this conversation, please share it with someone that you think may also enjoy it and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. It does help people like you stumble on something new. You can find me on Instagram at Timothy Lenko and at Timothy Lenko Music. Jess, where can people find you and follow your work? Mostly on Instagram at just the creative mess. Just the creative mess. I love it. Okay. Thank you everyone again for listening. Join me again in two weeks when I talk with another artist about their craft. Until then, live your life like art that's never finished. Bye.